Glad to have you here this morning. And uh, as we've mentioned earlier, we're we're in uh, week six now of a series where we're called Discovering Your Shape. And we're taking some time. It's really, we talked about it last Sunday, but it's a pastoral series in the sense that we want you to discover the way God has uniquely shaped and uniquely made you so that based on your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experience, you would be able to use those in ministry for God's glory, Jesus' glory, others' good, and your joy. And uh, this acronym is an acronym we're borrowing, uh, is originated with Saddleback Church and Pastor Rick Warren, and we've been teaching through some of these things, maybe in a little different way. But this morning, have you ever heard of Bezalel and Aholiab? I even struggle saying his name still. Who's heard of them? You're like, I could preach on them. Not many hands went up. A few of you did. Well, by the end of today, you're going to know who those two guys are. And uh, we're going to see an example of God giving talent and ability in great measure uh, to these two guys and to many other men and women that are mentioned just not by name in the same passage of Scripture. We're going to walk through half the book of Exodus today. And uh, we're going to start in chapter 19. So you can turn there if you have it on on an app, on your phone. If you have an actual Bible with you, that's great too. Um, But while you're turning there, I'm going to pray, and then we'll start in chapter 19 of the book of Exodus this morning. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you uh, for his work on the cross for me and for us as a church that uh, you, you took our sin, you took our shame, Jesus, and you bore it on the cross. So that when we sing this morning, we can sing without guilt or without fear, but with, with celebration to you. So that as we, we learn your word, we can learn it knowing that because you've sent the spirit to, to indwell us after we've trusted you, that, that you empower us to live it out. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that uh, you would make yourself known in that way today. Uh, teach me as I'm teaching, help uh, my words be your own. Um, and I pray too that you would come and encourage your people here this morning, encourage them with the ways that you've shaped them and that you've molded them and the ways that, that you've gifted them both with spiritual gifts and then also with just natural talent and ability. Help them discover and realize that, that, that you've made them to make a contribution and, and you did that so that they would have joy, so that others would receive good, and that, Jesus, you'd get great, great glory in your church. Pray against the enemy. He would love to discourage us and, in the case this morning, tell us that uh, we have no worth, that we have uh, no ability to do any of these things or no even talent. Um, but that's, that's just not the case. And uh, so, Father, I pray this morning, uh, teach us, encourage us, and may it result in uh, changing our lives and, and our church and our community. And we pray all this uh, through and because of Jesus. Amen. Exodus chapter 19. Do you know what the, the book of Exodus is about? There's this guy, uh, his name is Moses, and he goes and he rescues God's people who are in slavery in Egypt. And God's people had gotten there about 400 years prior. And, and while they're there, eventually the, the, the leaders of Egypt change and their heart towards the Israelite people uh, diminishes. And now they see them as a threat because of the way they've multiplied and they put them into slavery. And Moses is called by God through a burning bush and, and he goes and he rescues God's people. Do you know how old he was when he did that, by the way? Some of you are like, yeah, I know I have a shape, but I'm old. You don't get it. I'm, I'm old. Moses was 80 when he saw the burning bush. 
When, when Moses goes back to rescue God's people, he's 80 years old. You're just getting started. Right? God, God does not give up on us. If we're breathing, he's got a task for us to do. And so listen to this this morning and, and, and listen and discover your shape so that God would use you. And uh, anyway, so he, he leads them out and eventually they come to Mount Sinai in, in the wilderness. And they're on their way to the promised land, which God had promised uh, many, many generations before to Abraham. And uh, God keeps all his promises, so he's keeping that. And his people are leaving and heading uh, to the promised land, to what is modern-day Israel. And it says in chapter 19 uh, that they got to Mount Sinai. And on the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim, and they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and there they, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. When you read in the Bible, directions up and down, it's not like a map, like we think up and down, north and south. It's up, like up, and down, like down. And Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God, up Mount Sinai. And, and he meets there with God, and you can read more about that in chapter 19, but you get further in chapter, verse 21 of chapter 19, the Lord said to Moses, go down now and warn the people lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. See, God given Moses instruction, don't let the rest of the people come up here. If they, they, if they do that, they see me, they will perish, they'll die. And Moses goes down to warn them, and, and as he goes... Verse 25, Moses went down to the people and told them, and you get to chapter 20, and God spoke all of these words. See if you recognize any of these words. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. See, God, God met with Moses multiple times. We're going to see that this morning on Mount Sinai. But when he gives his top ten list, he gives his commandments, he says them in such a way that everyone audibly hears them. And he declares them from the mountain. And, and by the way, one thing I, I kind of skipped over, but if you read in the middle of chapter 19, you get a description of what Mount Sinai looked like when God's glory descended upon it. And it was fierce. Um, when, when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they will come up to the mountain. Moses went down to the mountain and the people, uh, I, I skipped over one where he went up, but on the third morning, verse 16 of chapter 19, I'm going back a little bit. There were thunders and lightnings, a thick cloud on the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Can you imagine that? You're in the wilderness and you just see this storm, not like, like on that mountain. Like there's the storm right there, no, no, right there. And they recognize and they hear this trumpet sound and it gets louder and louder and louder. And Moses goes up and he comes back down. And now all of a sudden from that fierce storm, you hear these words. You know, he says, I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Remember, you were slaves. Do you remember what that was like? Making bricks, building pyramids. That's, that's who you were. And, and I brought you out. I'm the one who rescued you. So he says, you shall have no other gods before me, verse 3. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that that's in the water under the earth. You, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me 
and keep my commandments. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you will labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. And on the seventh day he rested. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, his male servant or his female servant, or his ox or his donkey or anything that's your neighbor's. Now verse 18, now when, the, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. Think we'd do that? I think we probably, probably would. That'd be frightening, wouldn't, wouldn't it? And they said to Moses, you speak to us. We'll listen. <laughs> but don't let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, don't fear. For God's come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. And the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Moses goes up to meet with God then after this again, walking into the darkness, not not knowing totally what he's entering, but trusting that God's in control and that God loves him and he's given these commands because he loves him and loves his people. Well, in in chapters, the rest of chapter 20 and, and through chapter 23, God gives further instruction to Moses for how the people of Israel should live before him and before one another. Um, he, he gives instructions for their worship in terms of the altars they should use, uh, in terms of how they should treat one another and deal with slaves and retribution and social justice and how they should worship as it relates to Sabbath and to festivals. And in, in chapter 23, uh, verse 20, God reminds them of the promise that he had made to them to give them the land that he promised to Abraham. He gives them all these instructions and he says, and remember, I've rescued you because I'm taking you to the land that I promised to Abraham. And and he reminds them of that covenant and he reveals to them how he's going to do it. Jesus, he says that, that an angel of the Lord or a messenger will lead them. Many scholars, and I would probably lean towards this, would would argue that this is a a theophany, a a physical appearance of Jesus bodily in the Old Testament where Jesus, as the angel of the Lord, leads them into the promised land. He he says it's not going to happen all at once. Look at verses 29 through 31. He says, I will not drive them out. In other words, all the inhabitants of the land before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. He says instead, verse 30, little by little I will drive them out before you. Until you have increased and possessed the land. It's just a reminder, just some quick application here. But, but God doesn't always just do everything we want right now, does he? Sometimes it just takes time. And, and slowly he changes us. And, and slowly we grow like a tree with our roots going deep and, and growing and our branches going wide. And, and, and God nurturing us. And, and over time he would bring them into the promised land. 
And verse number, the third thing is he gives them more instruction then of how they should live once they're in the land at the end of chapter 23. We get to chapter 24 of Exodus and God gives Moses instructions to go get the other leaders. Moses had been up in the thick darkness with God and now Moses says, or God says to Moses, go get the other leaders, get Aaron, get Nadab, get Abihu, get the 70 elders. And then, then come back and worship me. So Moses goes back down in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 24. He came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes. And the next morning Moses gets up early and, and he builds an altar as we just read. He sacrifices on it. Confirming God's covenant with the people. And next we read Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. You know, we were on a, a retreat with our elders and deacons uh, Friday night and yesterday. And I had this passage in the back of my mind knowing that we'd be reading through some of this today and thinking, I mean, we spent time together looking to the future thinking what would God have for us, spending time in prayer for you, spending time in prayer for for God to reveal things to us, um, and and spending time then then trusting him to to, to look at all the good things that he's blessed us with, all the things he's done, and all the areas where we need to to press further and do more. And and in in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how cool would it be if just we're sitting here and we just, we see God, like the elders here, just they, they went and they saw God. But I'm reminded, we, we have a copy of God's Word in front of us every day. We, we have the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. We can be with God and see Him in that sense every day of our lives for each of us who are followers of Christ. What goes on, there, there was under His feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the, the very heaven for clearness. By God's grace, one day we'll see this. And, and He did not lay His hand on the chief men of Israel, of the people of Israel, they beheld God and they ate and drank. After this, Moses calls, or God calls Moses to come closer, further up the mountain. So Moses grabs his assistant, Joshua, and they go further up. And he leaves some instructions for Aaron and for the other elders and leaders. And it says, for 40 days, 40 nights, Moses was meeting with God. That's a retreat, right? For 40 days and 40 nights, he spends time with the Lord. And during this time, God gives Moses further instruction for his people. He gives instruction about giving and how they ought to give and with what heart they ought to give and the amount they ought to give. And then he starts giving instructions for worship and specifically for the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a big tent in a sense where it would be a portable worship center. I guess maybe the way we might think about it. In our context, but, but it was a place where, where God would come and be among his people in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies. Later, it would be replicated physically, permanently in the, in the temple in Israel, in Jerusalem. But for now, God's going to show his presence to his people and tabernacle among them, to tent, to camp among them. You know, when Jesus comes, this is again pointing to Jesus. When Jesus comes, and in First John, it talks about uh, the word was God. The word was with God and the word was God. And, and it says, and he came, he put on flesh and he dwelt among us. When it says he dwelt among his people, literally you could translate that he tabernacled among his people. So, so God showing himself dwelling among his people in the tabernacle, in this tent, 
It should point us to the fact that we know Jesus comes and and dwells among his people and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within his people. And because we read this sometimes, we go, wouldn't it be cool if we just, we knew that God was right there and we saw a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire and and we, we just knew that's where God is. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, we do know that. He's come to tabernacle to dwell in and among you. His Holy Spirit has. Well, he gives Moses instructions for this tabernacle, what it should look like, all of its contents, the Ark of the Covenant, the table for for bread, the golden lampstand, the, the tabernacle itself, the bronze altar, the court outside of it, oil for the lamp, and, and, and God's attention to detail of what kind of incense should be burned and what kind of oil should be burned. And he, he even gives instructions for how the priests ought to dress and how they should be consecrated. And you get to chapter 30 and the altar of incense and, and the, the census tax and the bronze basin for how they should wash and cleanse themselves and the, the anointing oil and incense and You get to chapter 31, and these two guys we've been talking about show up, or that I mentioned earlier, we haven't been talking about them yet, we're going to, show up Bezalel and Oholiab. Let me read to you about Bezalel and Oholiab. Chapter 31, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, See, I've called by name Bezalel the son of Uri, and son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I've filled him with the Spirit of God with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I've appointed with them Aholiab, the son of Ahisamech, of the tribe of Dan, and I've given to all able men ability that they may make all that I've commanded you. My guess is, as a leader, Moses maybe, you know, he's taking notes furiously for 40 days, what God wants to do. He's listening to God. God's giving him instructions for how this ought to look, how it ought to happen. And Moses is, if I'm Moses, I'm putting myself in Moses' spot. I'm going, how in the world am I going to do all this? (laughs) I don't have the skill to know how to do that. How am I going to make all this happen? And it's almost like, like God just says to Moses, don't, don't worry about it. I've got a whole group of people and I've given them ability. And specifically, maybe in a sense, he's like, I, I see it on your face, Moses. I see you worrying. How's this going to happen? Well, the Lord said to Moses, see, I've called by name Bezalel. I, I filled him with, he, with my spirit. I filled him with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, so that he could devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, bronze, cutting stones for setting and carving wood, to work in every craft. And I've given him an assistant, a holy app, to help him. And he's skilled in these two. And furthermore, I've, I've put ability in all able men to do this work. I've put ability in everyone. And before you read that, ladies, and go, yeah, but it says all men. No, later when we read this, we're going to see that it was the women specifically mentioned who were skilled to do some of these things. And it's not just men. It's men and women that God has put ability and intelligence and knowledge. You you know what that just, you take this to its logical conclusion. You know what else that means? That means he's put those things in you. He's put some abilities, some talents, some gifts, some intelligence in you. 
Why? Well, in this case, it's to accomplish what he had told Moses needed to be accomplished, right? To, to build the tabernacle so that God could, could show his glory to all of his people so that all of the people would benefit from their gifting and their talents being used to, to show God's glory and to sh- give good to all the people. And, and do you think that they had a lot of joy in that when it was completed? I guarantee you they did. I guarantee it. As somebody who, who loves to do design and, and art and those sorts of things, man, when you finish something and you complete it, those of you who maybe are talented in that way also are gifted in that way, you know like just the, the satisfaction you get when you get done doing that. And there's great joy in it. I guarantee you they had joy in those things. Well, we're going to come back to them in, in a minute, but let me tell you the rest of the story of what happens here. You, you know it well. Uh, eventually Moses... Uh, is given instruction then about the Sabbath, and he goes down in chapter 32, and the people had been waiting 40 days and 40 nights, and they gave up on Moses. Because earlier you, you would read, if we had stopped there, and I think in chapter 24 it says that the glory of God, when it descended on the mountain after Moses was there, he was there just in the cloud quietly for six days, and then God's glory was shown, and it said it was like a consuming fire coming down on the mountain. Now, if you guys all saw me or Pastor Stephen or Pastor Dan, they go up, go up a mountain and they're there for a few days and all of a sudden you see fire come down on the mountain. What would you think? Oh, they're toast. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> My guess is that that's maybe what they thought about Moses, that God's glory revealed itself as, as fire, as an all-consuming fire. And, and where is this Moses? He's not coming back. Well, then what happens? God says, Moses, you need to go down. These people have defiled themselves. And he goes down, and what had they done? They rebelled, and they made... Think about this. It was only six weeks to to two months later. God had just spoken to them audibly. Said, I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. Right? And what do they do? They make a golden cow, put it on a pole, and go, Hey, that's what brought us out of Egypt. Really? Really? It's amazing the idolatry we have in our hearts, not just those people, but us, right? And Moses comes down, he destroys the calf. It says he ground it to a powder. He made him drink of it. So think about that logically. The only way they'd get their gold back is after they passed it. Maybe that's kind of what God thought of their idol and their idolatry. In verse 33, God gives Moses the command, or Moses intercedes for the people, and eventually God gives Moses the command to leave Sinai and uh, Moses makes makes new tablets. When he came down and saw the calf, he had crushed the or broke the tablets. He threw them and broke them, the ones that God had written the Ten Commandments on. And so Moses makes new ones. God gives him instructions, and he writes it again. And then you get to chapter thirty-five, and they're getting ready to leave. And Moses comes down and starts taking contributions to to do and to build the thing that God had called him and entrusted him to do in building. The tabernacle. Well, the rest of the the book of Exodus is all about the building of the tabernacle. And then finally in verse 40, it talks about them worshiping and making their way to the promised land. And we learn later that they rebel again and spend more time in the wilderness. But the thing I want to focus on this morning, though, now, is at the beginning of chapter 31 and then also in 35 and 36, the actual construction of this tabernacle by Bezalel and Oholiab. And here's the first thing that I want you to notice about Bezalel and Aholiab. God called Bezalel and Aholiab to a specific 
ministry task. You might keep a thumb in chapter 35, but also flip back then to chapter 31. And it, it, what, what does it say about them? And God said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him. All these things, why? To devise artistic designs, to work in gold. And I've appointed, verse 6, with him a holy ab. And he goes on in verse 6, I've given to all able men ability that they may make all that I've commanded you. Why did he give them ability? To carry out a specific ministry task. Loved ones, God's given you abilities. He's given you talents. Why does he give those to us? To show his glory. To bless other people. So that you would have joy in using those gifts and abilities. That, that's why he's, he gifted Bezalel and Oliab. That's why he's gifted and given ability and talent to you. And he gives us talent and ability in different measure. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, just read this. How many? I mean, think about how incredibly talented Bezalel is. This guy's a renaissance man. Listen to this. I filled him with the spirit of God, with ability with intelligence, with knowledge, all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs. So, so he, can, he can think these things up in his mind. He knows in his mind how to, how to plan and design and do these things. Some of you have this ability to work in gold, in silver and in bronze. Not only can he design it, but then he knows how to start to, to make it and craft it. And he knows how to how to, how to work with, with these fine metals. Not only that, but he knows how to cut stones for setting. He, he knows how to cut stones to, to put in. The guy's a master jeweler, too. And, and he's a carpenter. He can carve wood. To work in every craft. Bezalel was incredibly talented. In, had incredible ability. In that area. But you know what? I bet there's still probably some things Bezalel couldn't do. It just it says he was talented and, and gifted in all these things. And he's the one who led the charge. But my guess is there might have been some things that somebody else was a little better at. And thankfully, God gives him an assistant, Oholiab, to come alongside him and help him care for all this. And not only that, but he gives him all kinds of men and women who are given ability and skill to carry it all out. This is a good reminder to me. Because one of the things I need to repent of often is doing way too much. Doing way too much. Uh, we went through at our retreat this weekend and, and looked at, at some of the, the areas for our church where there's maybe things we need to work on in terms of, um, of, of worship, of developing leaders, of developing 110 leaders. And, and for me personally, I'm looking at and I'm going up. Uh, I'm the bottleneck, I'm the bottleneck, I'm the bottleneck, I'm the bottleneck. And I don't know how to do that, maybe. And I read this this morning and I go, God's given me a whole church. And I need to repent of doing too much and I need to get out of the way. And some of you honestly need to step up. We, we need you to serve. God's given you ability that I don't have. To, to carry out ministry, to build his church, to build his kingdom. He's given it to you, just like he gave it to these men to help Moses carry out what he had called Moses to do. Well, he calls them to a specific ministry task, but notice this also. 
it's coming. I left my notes exactly. I want to make sure I say it the same way it is for you guys here. God equipped Bezalel and Oholiab for what he called them to do. He, he didn't, and this is right at kind of what I'm saying. He, he doesn't just call us to something and not equip us to do it. He, he doesn't call us to serve him in ministry and then say, go figure it out. But he gives us the, the abilities, the, the, the talents, the things we need to carry it out. Loved one's resources, whether that's people, whether that's money, whether that's talent and ability, whatever it is, you, you need to understand that is never an object for God. We, we, sometimes we, we fail to dream big dreams for what God could do in and through our church because we go, boy, that's really hard. I don't know how we're going to come up with the money to do that. I don't know how we're going to come up with the people to accomplish that. But you know what? If that's a vision God has put in our heart as a church, he always equips us to do it. If that's a vision he's given Moses to build the tabernacle, people in the middle of the desert to do this, he's always going to provide the resources to do it. And and in fact, when you go through, if you want to do this later, you can look later in Exodus and it tells about all of the gold and all of the silver and all of the bronze and all of the materials that were given to build the tabernacle. And everyone contributed. And in chapter 36, and it gives a record of how much was given. Again, these are people, they had plundered Egypt and they're in the middle of the desert. If you put it into today's value, it's close to $50 million for a tent that God provided for them to show his glory, to give good to other people and so that they would have great joy in the Lord. If maybe God's given you a vision and you go, I don't know how it's going to happen. Listen, he, he always equips us with what we need to fulfill our calling and to fulfill our ministry. And he did that with Moses by doing that for Bezalel and Aholiab and all the other people involved. And then finally, notice this, and I've said it already, but God didn't just give some of the leaders here abilities. He gave all the people abilities. He gives you talent and ability. He does. Look at verse 6. Behold, I've appointed with him a holy ab as an assistant, and he says, I have given to all able men ability that they may make what I've commanded you. He's given to all of us ability and talent. You, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. From the beginning of time, God saw you. From outside of time, he saw you. He knew how he would shape you. He knew how he would create you. He knew that he would gift you with different abilities, maybe to paint, maybe to add numbers in your head, maybe to administrate things, maybe uh, to build things, maybe to care for people, maybe to teach people. What are you good at? That's something that God has planted in the very heart of who you are. And he's given it to you. Now, as you go on, you you skip forward again now to chapter 35. This was God speaking these things, telling Moses about this. And now Moses goes and and starts uh, sharing this vision with the people. And and he says, chapter 35, verse 4, Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, he says, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. This is the thing God says we need to do. This is the direction God's taking us. That's what Moses does. He's casting vision for the people and giving them the Lord's command. And he says, verse 5, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze, 
blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and the breastplate, talking about the, the garb that the priests would wear. And, and, and Moses calls for a financial and a material contribution from the people. But and a lot of times when we think of giving, that's exactly what we think of, isn't it? And sometimes people show up, maybe you've been in this boat, and they go, boy, the church, you know what? All they want is our money. That's all they want. That's all they, that's all they care about is that we would give money to them. And they, they, if they read this passage, they might just stop right there. See, even Moses, it's all, he just wanted them to bring gold and silver and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, Moses, what a crook. But when we talk about giving, loved ones, we're not just talking about finances, right? We're talking about giving a whole lot more than just our finances. See, look what else Moses calls them to. Verse 10, he also says, let every skilled craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. He calls not just for treasure, but for talent, for time, for all of who we are to be given to the Lord for his service, for his glory to make all the Lord commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, to make the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the, the table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light and the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door and the door for the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. So Moses calls also for time and talent contributions to the Lord. Sorry about that. I woke you up though, didn't I? Somebody, maybe I'll have to have somebody donate a new microphone now. We'll see. But, but he calls for time and talent contributions for the Lord, right? Now here's the, one of the coolest passages in all of Scripture. As a pastor to read this and think, so many pastors have read this and have, have given vision maybe to their church and, and then it just falls flat. But as a pastor who's given vision to you at different times and, and, and called us to go forward maybe in giving toward a mission trip or giving towards the, uh, the, the orphanage in India or other trips or other uh, needs that we have, and to see these things happen. If you're new here, these, these things have happened here. And it's exciting and it's God's grace. And by God's grace, it'll continue happening and happen again. And, and maybe over the next few months, it'll, it'll happen in a huge way with our shape, with our abilities. But read this. As a pastor, this gets me fired up. And I hope it gets you fired up to see what God could do in the hearts of people who are surrendered to him. And it says, then all the congregation of the people of Israel, they departed from the presence of Moses. I wonder what Moses thought after they left. Boy, I hope they obey this time. Last time they left, they made a cow and they worshiped it. 
What are they going to do this time? Well, verse 21, they came. Everyone, it says everyone came and gave, right? Is that what it says? That's not what it says. Everyone whose heart stirred him. Everyone whose spirit moved him. See, here's, here's the deal. If, if you're hearing a call for God on your life to give of your time, talent, treasure, to serve, and you're sitting there going, I don't know if I want to. I don't think so. Don't. <laughs> don't. Because it won't be for your joy. certainly won't be for others' good. And what glory would God get from just a rotten attitude? But the ones who came, the ones who gave, were the ones whose heart stirred within them. Everyone whose spirit moved him. And look what they did. They, they brought the Lord's contribution. They didn't say it brought their stuff. They brought the Lord's stuff to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service, for the holy garments. So they came, verse 22, both men and women. I wonder how this went, how long it took. As Moses is standing there, was it just a couple people at first and it just kind of slowly started building and growing? And They came, both men and women, verse 22, and all who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings. They brought signet rings, armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. This wasn't for Moses, this was for God. They worshipped with their possessions. Everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ramskins or goatskins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. Everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. They heeded his first command. They, they, they gave of their financial and material resources. Isn't that a great thing? And, and by God's grace, we see that happen here in our church. I, I meet with other pastors. I talk with other pastors who are in ministry and have an incredible financial hardship sometimes in their church today. Many of them. And it's only by God's grace working in and through you that you've excelled in this grace of giving. And on behalf of God, I tell you, thank you. Good work. Keep at it. But look at what they didn't stop there, though. They also heeded his second call. Verse 25, and every skillful woman spun with her hands. They brought, they all brought what they had, what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And then the leaders, the, the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, all of them whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord, for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. All that God commanded and stirred within their hearts. So if it was a financial gift that he stirred in their heart, they brought it. If it was, hey, you, you need to, to serve these people. You need to love these people. You need to give of, of your skill and your talent. 
You can play guitar a lot better than that goofball leading this morning. You need to play. Right? And they brought of their talent and their ability. Whatever it was, a free will offering to the Lord. So as we close, that's the question that, that's really before us this morning. Is One, it is, it's what's your shape, what's your spiritual gifts, your heart. We talked about that last week, your passions, where God has uh, given you a heart, a passion to serve, and, and what your abilities this morning. We're going to talk more about these things in the coming weeks, your personality and your experiences. But, but really, the big question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? In closing, there's these three questions to answer then. I skipped ahead. But one, what abilities has God given you? What abilities has he given you? I'm telling you, some of you, you're good at something. You are. You're like, not really. Yeah, you are. You have skill and ability. And some of you have, when it, when it talks about their skill and ability here, their craftsmanship, literally, if you could read that in the Hebrew, it says they're... Uh, they were skilled, experienced, wise of heart. And, and there's this sense, experience. They, they had developed this skill. Maybe you're still developing certain skills. Continue to, to develop them for God's glory. What abilities has he given you? What are you good at? There's something. If you don't know, ask the people who love you. They could tell you. Number two, how is God stirring your heart? We talked about this last week, but just to revisit it, where is, where is he stirring you to serve? That, that's the where question. What's he giving you a passion for? That, that shows you where you ought to use those abilities. And then I'd skipped ahead, as I said earlier, but number three, what do you love to do? Because it's what you will do with it, but I, I guess I would I'd give you this advice too, is as you figure out your, your abilities, what do you love to do? Some of you have certain skills that you're good at, a lot of skills that you're good at. If you're trying to figure out which ones do I use to serve, well, which ones do you really love to do? Because chances are the ones you love to do are tied and married in a certain way to your heart and to your passions. And that's not by accident. That's part of how God shaped you. Find out what you love to do. Use that to serve where God's called you to serve. And, and, and use your spiritual gifts to, to serve in that place and in that way. And it all answers that question. What are you going to do with your shape? With the way God has shaped and gifted you? Now, one of the ways we want to help you with this, just like we um, provided a, a spiritual gifts assessment. Remember, that's not... It's not gospel. It's not gold. The Bible doesn't say, hey, do an assessment and figure out your spirit. I know that. It doesn't say that. But it's a tool to help you because we love you. And I hope you took some time to do that. Um, just to help you understand maybe more about how God's gifted you. And, and, and your heart. And one of the things that we've done is we've also created for you an abilities inventory. And uh, there's physical copies. I may not have gotten them to the Connect desk. So... Um, We'll figure out a way. Maybe, would you mind, Marilyn, after we finish? You don't need to do it right now, but just after we finish, grab them. They're probably in the resource room still. I don't think I brought them out this morning. But there's physical copies of this, if you can do that. But also, you can go do that online. You go to wallacybible.com slash shape. And you're like, yeah, I'm good at it, but I'm kind of shy. I don't really want to tell anybody what I'm good at. So how am I ever going to get served or, or get the ability to serve people? Well, go online, fill out this, this abilities inventory. Tell us what you're good at. 
So if you're really good at roofing a house and we find out this spring that, that somebody had a big ice jam in their roof and, and now there, there's water just pouring into their house as the snow melts. We know, hey, we got five guys who have the skill of roofing a house, who have a, a heart to serve God's people. Let's call these five guys. Maybe one of them can help, and maybe they know some other guys who can help, and we can go serve this person. And, or, or what is it that you're good at? If we don't know, how, how do we ask you to serve? So let us know, okay? Go to wabasibibles.com backslash shape and fill out that abilities inventory. If you didn't take the spiritual gifts assessment yet, that's on that same page as well. But let us know what your abilities are, your abilities are, and and start using your shape to serve. I'm telling you, as you do it, God gets glory, others get good, and and you get joy. It's a great thing. It's what God has made us for. Let me pray. We'll call it a morning, and uh, we'll take our offering, and we'll sing together. Father, thanks for Jesus. And... um, Thanks for the gifts that you give us through him. That's what your word says, that, that all of the good things that we have, one, they, they come from above and uh, they come from you and, and they, they come ultimately from Jesus and through him, through his grace to us. So thank you. I pray, Father, for our church. I pray for me. Help us all to, to discover more and more the unique and uh, wonderful way that you've made each of us, the way you've shaped us. You, you've given those of us who've trusted you spiritual gifts. You've given all of us a heart and, and passion for different things and, and areas where we could serve and make a difference. You, you've given all of us talents and abilities like you did to Bezalel and Aholiab and all the people of Israel. And I believe even now, Father, just as you did the people then, you're doing it now in our church. You're stirring people's hearts. And just as you stirred their heart and they came forward with their gifts of their, not just financial gifts, but their time and their talent to serve. I believe you're doing that for each of us. And for those who might respond whose heart is stirred by you, I pray they would respond. That they wouldn't harden their hearts like these same people did later in the wilderness. But instead they would respond with great joy to serve you and to bring their contribution to you that you'd get glory, others would get good, and they'd get joy. And Father, I pray for those who've never trusted you this morning as they hear about the way that you've created them. They might respond to you in repentance and in love, turning to your son Jesus, recognizing that, that they too need a savior and becoming not just your creation, but your child. To where not just getting talent and abilities, but spiritual gifts and, and joy and life everlasting. So, Holy Spirit, I pray for them that you might work in their heart, that they would turn to you in faith, maybe even today. But in all of this, Lord, we love you. And uh, we thank you for your goodness to us, your grace to us. And and I pray that uh, you'd continue to work your works of grace in and among us, that we'd be obedient, that we would uh, see your kingdom built here in, in just incredible ways in the middle of a cornfield where no one could ever say anything, but that's the work of God. Do that, I pray, Father, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.